0: Please turn in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 6. We've been uh, speaking on the family for this month, and we uh, have one more in the series after today. And some of this is part of our Family for the Father emphasis, and next Sunday on the 27th where we'll challenge you all to be involved in that Family for the Father program where as part of training your family and reaching out to other families, you may wish to make uh, something of a, a commitment to trust the Lord to use you to bring a family into the church uh, next year uh, where your family can influence another family or you as an individual can influence another family. And so we'll have a card in the bulletin next Sunday when uh, you can join with us and uh, make that commitment, and then we have our first event as part of that program on June the 10th, which will be a luncheon here, Vista's luncheon, where you can bring your Vista, and uh, we'll have an opportunity for Dr. Bill and Janie Buck to share with them at a luncheon. We had uh, in our earlier service the baccalaureate uh, where we had our school graduates present, and I told them about the graduating class from Southern Seminary in Columbia, South Carolina that I read about, that they would take... Uh, the class uh, pictures and put them uh, in framed in the hall there, and they would always put an appropriate scripture passage or verse underneath to describe the class. And, and uh, so this particular class was graduating, and the uh, student in charge of selecting the verse asked the professor to recommend a verse of scripture that would be appropriate for that class. Professor looked at the pictures and he said, "John 11:35." Student rushed home and looked it up and said, "Jesus wept." <laughs> well, uh, we want to think about uh, parenting today, and uh, also the child's responsibility. Someone said, uh, "America's true wealth." Is its parents. We normally say it's its children, but think about it. Americans' true wealth is its parents. They are the hinge on which a civilization pivots. If parents fail in their job, the whole civilization goes down the tubes. Uh, Parents are America's wealth. Let me illustrate that with the example of two parents. One, Oral Hershire. The other, Pete Rose, both professional baseball players of outstanding fame and ability. Uh, two articles appeared almost back to back in uh, nationwide newspapers concerning them. And the one that uh, was discussing Oral Hershaya, uh made it clear that his career was being kept in submission to his responsibilities as a Christian and as a parent. And Hirsch, Oral Hershey said that his attorney once suggested that he ask himself several questions uh, every time he wanted to assess his major league career. These were the questions. Am I still married? Uh, are my children happy and do they know me? Do I still have my friends? If he can ask, answer yes to these questions, then he was having a great career. By way of contrast, front-page article in USA Today was interviewing uh, it was our bout Pete Rose, who uh, Pete has been a synonym for aggressive baseball ever since he put on a Cincinnati Reds uniform. Uh, he uh, has uh, this the in the town uh, named uh, the street to the Riverfront Stadium for him there in Cincinnati. He's amassed more base hits than any player in history. His daughter was interviewed, and she said, He's the world's worst father. I will never understand why he never had any time for us. We didn't expect anything from him except just to like us. The day after the article came out, someone asked Pete Rose about his daughter's comments, and he said, I don't know what she's complaining about. I bought her a new Mercedes last week. Pete Rose's son recounted how he had been prevented from telephoning his father. Even if I wanted to call him, I don't have his telephone number. I have to call his agent. And he tells my dad I want to talk to him. We don't get in touch unless my dad wants to. Still, I love him. He's my dad. America's wealth is in its parents and how we do our parenting job. Our children face a minefield every day. In the 1940s, the top problems that educators listed in schools, public schools around the country, were talking by the students, chewing gum, running in the halls, getting out of turn in line, uh, wearing improper clothing, not putting paper in the wastebasket. What do you suppose they were in the 1980s? Rape, robbery, assault, burglary, arson, bombing, murder, and suicide. David Elkine, who is the author of uh, All Grown Up and No Place to Go, says, as I travel throughout this country, I have found that it is commonplace for beer to be available to 12- and 13-year-olds. It is often provided by parents at their parties who, relieved that the youngsters are not into drugs, appear to consider alcohol benign by comparison. It says, sexual activity, at least among teenage girls, has more than tripled in the last two decades. In contrast to the 1960s, when only about 10% of teenage girls were sexually active, more than 50% are today. Among young women who are sexually active, 4 out of 10 uh, will become pregnant before they leave their teens. Well, the responsibility for the home is set forth here in Deuteronomy 6 and also in Ephesians 6. But looking at the Deuteronomy passage, starting with verse 6, And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou riseth up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house, and on thy gates." The parent's responsibility. Notice the responsibility first for a parent to have a personal relationship with God. These words that I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, says God. If you've got them in your heart, that means you have taken this thing to heart. You have uh, committed your life to God. Today we'd say you've become a genuine Christian. You have truly repented. You've realized that you have rebelled against God and that you are a sinner before a holy God. And you have faced up to the seriousness of that, the folly of that. And you have come and surrendered your will to him so that you have a master. You're not your own master. And you have believed the claim of Jesus to be the Son of God who died in your stead, paying for your sin. And you're trusting in Him to forgive you as a gift. And your life has changed. Now, if you've done all that and your life has changed, you haven't done all that. real commitment to Christ produces real change. A profound change came in my life. In the way I think, the way I choose, the way I behave, my goals. That happens to every person who becomes a genuine Christian. Now, these words shall be in thine heart. You know, many parents are so hypocritical before their children that they discredit whatever they're trying to teach their children about God. You've got to model the Christian life. A survey was taken of 1,800 youth at a youth congress. And one of the highest reasons given for rejecting the Christian faith was poor Christian role models in their home. And by way of contrast, here's a little poem. It's entitled, By Your Example. I saw you stand bravely through the years and saw no sign of senseless fears. I saw you stand quietly through the stress and saw no glimpse of bitterness. I saw you stand prayerfully in grief and saw no sign of unbelief. Though you spoke well of Jesus Christ, I caught your faith by watching your life. That's the way it normally works. Modeling the Christian life would mean uh, spending time with God. Do your, do your children see you on your knees before God? Do your children see you with the Bible open and you feeding your heart on the Word of God? Uh, it would mean keeping the Sabbath. Uh, giving priority to church and Sunday school. You know, uh, when I was growing up, There was no question of whether we were going to church on Sunday. There might have been a question of whether the sun was coming up, but there was no question of whether we were going to church on Sunday. And if I was sick, they saw to it that I was sick after church as well as during church. Giving generously would be part of modeling, wouldn't it? What about our commitment of our resources? Time and money to the work of the Lord. Our children see that. Teaching them to give. Reaching out evangelistically. And our children see us seeking to do that. Concerned about the souls of others. Trying to win them to Christ. I remember when uh, one time Barbara brought a young man home. that she would met at the coffee house she used to run. And she wanted me to share the gospel with him. And so I was trying to ease into it tactfully. And one of the children, I think it was uh, Nita or Peggy, was tugging on my sleeve. And, and I kept trying to put her aside a minute. She said, Daddy, Daddy. I said, What, sweet? Does he know Jesus? <clears throat> I don't know, do you? <laughs> and well, they knew what it was all about. They knew uh, we were concerned that people come to know Christ. Um, obeying God. Do they see us obeying God? Do they see us being consistent in word and life? And when we fail, acknowledging it. Kids, I did wrong. I want to ask your forgiveness. I've asked God's forgiveness. Now I want to ask your forgiveness. Do they see us exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, faith, self-control. or Do they see us flying off the handle, losing our temper, uh, being critical of everyone? When Christian youth are asked, what did your parents do right? What comes out is, they lived the Christian life before me. They were consistent in their Christian convictions. Paul and Richard Meyer of the Minereth Meyer Clinic in Dallas, in their book, Family Foundation, say seven elements they consider critical in the home are, first, a spiritual base. Second, genuine love. Third, Gut-level communication. Fourth, discipline. Fifth, consistency. Sixth, setting the example. And seven, proper leadership roles in the family. We need to be explicit about our own values. A mother found a copy of Playboy magazine under her son's mattress. She was shocked. Teenage son told his father, and his father... Got his son aside and approached him something like this. He said, I understand you're trying to catch up on your sex education by reading Playboy. Well, let me tell you why I don't read Playboy. Why I decided not to do that, to read magazines like that. And uh, he went on to state his values in a positive manner. The son was free to listen. And he saw how his father sought to combat the ever-present sexual temptation that all of us are surrounded with convey your values, model the joy of the Christian life. Do our kids get the idea that Christianity is dull and boring or the greatest thing in the world? Uh, Children love fun, and our homes should be fun-filled places. And, you know, some of you really challenged me on that. You just determined that growing up with your kids, they were going to have fun, good, wholesome fun, and you went out of your way to make your families that way. The responsibility to model this, to have it as personal and then uh, to model it for the kids. The responsibility to teach and train your children for the Lord. Verse 7, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Teach them these commandments. Teach them God's Word and God's ways. You know, from birth to age 18, the child has 96,000 waking hours. How many of those hours will be spent in Sunday school? We can't we can't shuffle this off to the Sunday school or to the Christian school. They'll spend about three hundred and ninety hours in Sunday school instruction in that period of time. They'll spend fifteen thousand hours before the television. We can't shift this off. The school and the church can help us. The Christian school and the Sunday school and so on, but basically it's our responsibility. It must be done diligently. Teach them the Word of God. Read the great Bible stories to them. Uh, David and Goliath, uh, Daniel in the lion's den, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and on and on. Uh, They're wonderful stories. Teach them key verses of Scripture to memorize and to say and to build their lives around. Teach them to pray. Uh, When I was a kid, my parents taught me to pray every night before I went to bed, and all through my teen and in early 20s, when I was not a Christian, I still would kneel and pray before I went to bed at night. Teach them respect for authority, to obey God and God-given authority. Abraham, in Genesis 18:19, God says, I know, Abraham, that he will command his children to keep my ways, that I may bring on him the things that I promised him about his children. The interaction there between God's promises and our responsibility this teaching is to be done naturally. It says, "When you, uh, thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up." Just naturally, uh, some helpful tools and doing that. There are books out for parents, uh, like uh, "Parenting Is Not for Cowards" by. James Dobson, or The Christian Family by Larry Christensen. Many helpful books on parenting. Many helpful books for use with family devotions. I updated a list that I had, and it's available in our information booth out there. Uh, Stories for the Children's Hour by Kenneth Taylor. He is the one that paraphrased your living Bible. Living Thoughts for the Children's Hour by Taylor. The Bible in Pictures for Little Eyes by Taylor. Leading Little Ones to God by Schoolin. Uh, Chronicles of Narnia. Children's Story Bible, Catherine Voss, and on and on. Excellent, excellent tools to help us uh, with training our children. Uh, When Barbara and I had our kids growing up, we would sit around the table. We'd use books like this, and many of them have touching stories, and I'd start crying as I'd read them. I'd give the book to Barbara, and she'd read a little while, and she'd start crying. She'd give it back to me, and the kids would say, good grief. (laughs) <laughs> but uh, we uh, we covered a lot of territory. Uh, as our kids grew older, well, I would try to find uh, excerpts from things that I thought would be interesting to discuss. Maybe the Wall Street Journal, maybe uh, U.S. News and World Report, maybe uh, uh, the newspaper, maybe a biography I was reading. When we go on vacation, I Give them a book, and I say, "Okay, you read this. You'll enjoy it, and then you make a book report to us about uh, what this meant and what we can learn from it, and so on." Uh, one family uh, in our church has Barbara and I over uh, uh, once a year, and we eat dinner. And then all the children write uh, me a letter and uh, about their growth spiritually and uh, their prayer for me. Uh, there's a way of that family seeking to link their their children to the church and to the pastor. Uh, the good Christian music is crucial, and can really help. When my kids are growing up, uh, they get in the car and cut the radio on, and I just got out of the car. I couldn't stand it, and uh, it was so bad. And the worst part was I couldn't even understand what was being said. And uh, they have these records and they play them, and all out of the room would come this boom, boom, boom. And I thought, what in the world? So I I made a discovery that most of these records have the words inside the cover. So I took the words out and I read them. And they weren't bad. They just were sorry. Junk. I couldn't make a moral issue out of it. I just didn't like it. What do you do when you can't make a moral issue and you just don't like something? They said, "Daddy, you're old-fashioned." Well, I am. I tried to embarrass them. <clears throat> got in the car one day, and one of these bebop things was on. Do 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 do, do. And uh, we were all going to McDonald's, so when we got into McDonald's, the same music was playing, and I went, "Do do 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 do." They said, "Daddy, quit that!" <clears throat> but that didn't work. So uh, I noticed that they liked Amy Grant and Sandy Patty, along with all this other junk. And so every occasion that came along, a Christmas, a birthday, or something, I made it a habit to give them a Sandy Patty or an Amy Grant record. And pretty soon I noticed that their taste began to change. And I didn't hear the other and heard this. It's real important what they listen to. Crucial. Christian camp can help us. Christian school can help us. Uh, all of these can help. We've got to pray, pray, pray that the Word of God will penetrate to our children's hearts. Except the Lord build a house, they labor in vain. that build it. Responsibility to teach. The responsibility to discipline your children. Uh in Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 4, Paul says, Fathers, raise your children in the nurture and discipline, or the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Admonish them. Discipline them. And Proverbs 22:15, Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. Proverbs 29:17, Correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yea, he shall give delight unto thy soul. David failed to do that. Read about Adonijah, his son, who sought to steal David's kingdom in David's old age, rebelled against his father, and a very significant comment is made in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 6 about Adonijah and David's relation. It says his father had not displeased him at any time in saying Why hast thou done so never admonished him, never challenged any of his actions. Dobson tells of an interesting case of discipline where young man, a young boy who is real rebellious and giving his mother's fits, uh, had to go to the dentist. He didn't want to go, and he comes in ready for battle. Get in the chair, young man, said the doctor. No chance, replied the boy. Son, I told you to climb onto the chair, and that's what I intend for you to do, said the dentist. Robert glared at his opponent for a moment and then replied, If you make me get in the chair, I'll take off all my clothes. Son, take them off. The boy forthwith removed his shirt, undershirt, shoes, and socks, and then looked up in defiance. All right, son, now get in the chair. You didn't hear me, sputtered Robert. I said, if you made me get on that chair, I will take off all my clothes. Son, take them off. Robert proceeded to remove his pants and his shorts, finally standing totally naked before the dentist and his assistant. Now, son, get in the chair, said the doctor. Robert did as he was told and sat cooperatively throughout the entire procedure. (laughs) When the cavities were drilled and filled, he was instructed to step down from the chair. Give me my clothes now, said the boy. I'm sorry, replied the dentist. Your mother must tell your mother that we're going to keep your clothes overnight. She can pick them up tomorrow. Can you comprehend the shock Robert's mother received when the door to the waiting room opened? (laughs) And there stood her son, her pink son, as naked as the day he was born. The room was filled with patients, but Robert and his mom walked past them and into the hall. They went down on a public elevator into the parking lot, ignoring the snickers of onlookers. The next day, Robert's mother returned to retrieve his clothes, And asked to have a word with a dentist. She wasn't protesting. She said, You don't know how much I appreciate what happened here yesterday. You see, Robert has been blackmailing me about his clothes for years. Whenever we're in a public place, such as a grocery store, he makes unreasonable demands on me. If I don't immediately buy what he wants, he threatens to take off all his clothes. You're the first person who's called his bluff, and the change has been incredible. Discipline needs to be done with uh, love, without anger or abuse. Uh, There's a difference between gentleness and firmness and hostility and firmness. Parents need to be sure that a child is guilty before they proceed to discipline. You've heard the one about the little boy who's been using some bad words, and he's supposed to go to a birthday party down the road. And uh, as he's getting ready to go out the door, his mother says, Jimmy, I've already told Miss Smith... That if you use any bad words to send you home immediately, and if she does, Buster, you've had it. Fifteen minutes he's back. He comes in the door and she grabs him, starts wailing him. Finally gets through and she said, What did you say down there? He said, I didn't say nothing. That part is not till next Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> We need to protect our children by having rules. Several years ago, an oil, uh, Texas, uh, an oil well in Texas was being dug, and it was 180 feet deep and 12 inches wide of the shaft. During the digging, a small child fell into the well. From the top of the well, you could hear the child crying. The child was Alive, the child kept saying, Daddy, Daddy, get me out. They tried to lure the daddy down into the well, but he couldn't fit. And uh, the cries grew weaker and then stopped. The men kept dragging with fish with drag hooks and finally they brought up the lifeless body of the little child. And they all sat down and cried. And we could say, well, somebody neglected to close the well. Somebody, maybe the parents were neglectful in watching the child and letting him play near it. But you know, something even more tragic takes place every day in our midst where we let children play around the pit of sin. And uh, the fall is all so tragic. And it's due to our carelessness. We've got to emphasize God's abiding commands and their obedience. We've got to edit what they listen to. The average teenager purchases four new records every week. What is on those records? Well, you need to know. You need to check it out. Elizabeth Elliott talks about being in a motel in Idaho and cutting on the television and being in utter shock at what she was seeing. And she says the program that stopped us in our tracks was just a program that's on at any time around the country, an ordinary one. She said it's rock music, the screaming, thundering, pulsating, shrieking, ear-drubbing, ear-splitting kind played by groups with names like Cheap Trick the Boomtown Rats, the Sex Pistols, the Destroyers, the Clash. Across the bottom of the screen ran a legend from time to time giving the name of the soloist, the title of the music, and the group performing. Song titles were such things as Screaming for Vengeance, Bad Boy Having a Party, Children of the Grave, uh, Combat Rock, Man Eater, Paranoid. Representative Ronald Gamble of the Pennsylvania House, who introduced a bill to cause the labeling of records in Pennsylvania, which bill passed by 149 to 51, made this statement. He said, we are regular guys who don't think that kids should be listening to this junk. We're spending millions fighting teen violence and suicide, and right across the street, the recording industry is promoting those very things. Of course, the people of the American way and the ACLU oppose such labeling of records. The responsibility to discipline, the responsibility to love your children. Often, the basic problem of a lack of response spiritually is that there was not an atmosphere of unconditional love In the home. One writer advocates the formula. Stop. Look. And listen. When your kids approach you with something. Stop. Stop what you're doing. Cut off the TV. Put down the newspaper. Stop. Pay attention to them. say your problem is important. You're saying that by so doing. Look. Look at them in the eyes. Listen to what they say. Even if you don't think it's important. You listen. It's important that you relate to your children. And in your communication with them, build them up. Don't tear them down. Show affection. Hugs, kisses, uh, wrestling, tussling, whatever. Show affection. Touch. Dr. William Appleton in Fathers and Daughters writes, For any woman, one very dominating influence is her father. He is the first man to whom she gives her heart, and how he reacts strongly affects her future with men. Here's a letter. Or here's a. There's a, a paper written by a student in school about her father. And she says this. The person who most influences my life is my dad. He is always calm and in control. He is always willing to help me. When I ask him for a favor, without hesitation, he does it. He is never selfish and always gives. That helps me to be that way. He always prays with me and listens to my problems. I have many answered prayers because of him. He has a sort of joking, sarcastic attitude, and I've listened to it so much that I've become that way. He is honest and caring. Whenever I am not, he loves me and forgives me. He encourages me not to do wrong things. I just hope he'll be there still influencing me my whole life so that I might turn out to be like him. The influencer of my life—that's solemn, isn't it? The children—we've uh, talked about the the adults' responsibility. One other thing: uh, Armin Nicolai, who is a psychiatrist at the Harvard Medical School, in talking about what do we know about successful families, says. My thesis is that the difficulties encountered in the homes of busy professionals can be attributed in large measure to a lack of time with the family, and thus to a lack of emotional accessibility. A parent's inaccessibility, either physically, emotionally, or both, can exert a profound influence on the child's emotional health. Thirty years ago, the World Health Organization said what is believed to be essential for mental health is that the infant and young child should experience a warm, intimate, and continuous relation with his mother. uh, Nikolai says, Many young women no longer feel free to stay at home with young children. Unless they can pursue a career while raising the family, they consider their lives a failure. My clinical experience indicates clearly that no woman with young children can do both at the same time without sacrificing one or the other, the quality of work or the quality of child care. Many professionals know this, but few have the courage to say it. He says, "Uh, A study in Boston of how much time fathers spend with their very young sons shows that the average time per day is about 37 seconds. Well, we've talked about the parent's responsibility. What about the children's responsibility? In Ephesians 6, it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey. It says, Children, honor your parents. The the fifth commandment there. And uh, then the responsibility to love their parents. A father writes this. Father in our church, he says, there's no material thing my child can give me that means as much as his or her spontaneous caring and love, not love and affection that is asked for or demanded, but love and affection that is given willingly and automatically with no strings attached. I'm not talking about the big hug I get when my kid opens his Christmas present. I'm talking about the big hug I get when I haven't done anything, the one I get for no reason at all except that he loves me and is willing to show me that love. Anita wrote me a little card just a year or so back. Daddy, there's never a day that goes by that I don't thank God for you and Mama. You really will never know how thankful I am for you and how much I love you. I respect your opinion and your advice more than any other person in the whole world. I feel like sometimes I don't tell you how much I love you, so I just wanted to remind you. Thanks for the way you faithfully pray for me. That means so much to me. I'm so glad God gave me to you. I love you. Now, parents need that, just like children need that. Patrick Henry said that he disposed, this was in his will. He said, I've disposed of all my personal property and left it to my family. There's one other thing I wish that I could give my family, faith in Jesus Christ. He said, if I could give them that and didn't give them anything else, they'd be rich if I gave them everything else in the world and didn't give them that, they'd be poor. Well, we really can't give our faith to our children. God has to bring them to faith. But God uses means. And one of the great means He uses is these very things we've been talking about here. Let's let that cry haunt us. Daddy, get me out. Daddy, get me out. Nicolai says... As I read the Scripture, the thing that strikes me is that the Creator is singularly unimpressed by what most of us give our highest priority to. He said, I'd like to make a few recommendations that we give relationships within our family as the highest priority next to God. That we schedule time out of each day with the family, and if possible, schedule time with each individual. Some individual time with each one. And that we give consideration not only to economic and emotional provision, but also to their spiritual needs. By individually, as a parent, embracing a personal faith, embracing Jesus Christ, and living it out, we, we help pass on to our kids what the purpose of life is, what the meaning of life is, how to figure out life's ultimate questions, how to cope with the problems of life, How to love others. How to forgive others. All those are so crucial to living. Daddy, get me out. Let us pray. As our hearts abound, what about it as a parent or as a child? As a parent, have you embraced that personal faith? Are you modeling it? Are you giving priority to the family? Are you... Uh, teaching and training them? What about as youngsters? Are you obeying your parents? Have you embraced Jesus Christ, put your faith in Him? Are you expressing affection and love to your parents? If you've never committed your life to Christ or if there's some area of your life where you need to deal with it, some area that's really you're coming short in, Just make a commitment right now before the Lord to correct that by his strength and power. If you've never received Christ, pray like this in your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I do surrender my will and trust you as my Lord and Savior. Come into my life. Amen.